You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't you know, true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Punch it and did it again! Welcome in to the latest edition of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm normally joined by my cousin Shane who's skipping out on this one. He said he's got a work function. He said it's at a bar, though, and I know Shane's not a bartender, so I'm calling bullshit on that one. But we can drink without Shane, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) All right, so like I said, this is going to be a solo edition, sort of. I got a guest lined up, really good guest here. So, uh, you know, I wanted to give you guys some insight on the Missouri coaching search, because that's one that's kind of... It's been really hard to put my finger on, know who's out there. There, there is, of course, some speculation. We'll get into that in just a moment here. But uh, I, you know, I really wanted to get someone that was really knew the program, knew the particulars, uh, very familiar with it up there. So reached out to TJ Moe, former Missouri receiver, who you can find on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of those, at TJMoe28. This is a really great interview. It gives us some insight into Missouri, who they should be looking at, the kind of coach that Missouri needs to succeed up there in the SEC, uh, his thoughts on the job, everything that goes with it. Uh, so let's jump over to our guest, TJ Moe. All right, we're pleased to be joined by TJ Moe, of course, the former standout Missouri receiver. He was a team captain there, played in the Big 12 and the SEC. It's going to give us a lot of insight here on the Missouri coaching search. So I think that's one of the more fascinating ones going on around the nation, obviously in the SEC as well. He's a co-host of 590 The Fan, KFNS Radio there in St. Louis. He's a contributor of the Big 550 KTRS, also there in Missouri. So TJ, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, anytime. How are you? I'm doing great. So, you know, the first thing I wanted to start with, I know you had you know, a relationship there with Barry Odom. I know he was on your radio show all the time. So, you know, how surprised were you that they actually let him go? I know, you know, obviously by the results there, six and six, that's not good enough at Missouri. There were so much high hopes going into the season, but hell, it was only, what was it, a month and a half ago, two months ago, they're in first place in the East. Everything's going, it looked like they were going well. And I had no indication that Barry Odom was on the hot seat. So, uh, I just want to get your quick thoughts on on how big of a surprise that was to you. You know, uh, you you sort of hit on the reason that Jim Stewart gave for why he fired Barry Odom, and that was what he kept saying over and over. Um, what he said during uh, his press release, and then when he actually had his press conference, was said, you know, we we really had a lot of momentum um, coming into the season. We were able to land Kelly Bryant, 
who ended up being obviously a major disappointment, not only performance, but he, he couldn't stay healthy. Um, and then you had a team with a lot of returning starters and a schedule that was incredibly favorable. I mean, Missouri finished six and six, and most people thought they really, I mean, look, they, they did. They struggled down the lost five games straight. And three of their losses were Vanderbilt, Kentucky, who we saw, I mean, it was Kentucky's backup quarterback and such, uh, and then Wyoming. That's a nine-win season if you just beat three relatively bad teams uh, comparatively with talent and such on your schedule. So he kept using the phrase, you know, we really had a lot of momentum uh, and, uh, you know, we, we just felt like we needed to make a change. And, and that is ultimately why, right? Because if Missouri had played a tough schedule and their expectations were seven or eight wins and you came up with six, okay, you probably don't make a change. But uh, I was one of the, I think many people who thought, you know, this team should probably be eight and zero headed into Georgia. And looking back, they should have been right. It's like they ended up five and three and you lost to Wyoming, Kentucky and Vanderbilt, the three teams that I just, mentioned so they should have been eight no um am i surprised that they ended up firing him no uh especially when the sanctions came down and the first announcement uh that jim sterk said was you know we're, we're going to lose eight to ten million this year uh especially if georgia pulls the upset on lsu because that likely means both of them they're get, are getting in the college football playoff that means it's probably more likely 10, uh, 10 million than 8 million that Missouri does not get to, a chance to uh, be a part of this season and, and sharing the revenue. But what he said was, we're going to take out a loan from the institution. Meaning, uh, I, don't know, I think a lot of schools are not like this, and most people don't know this about Missouri, but Missouri's athletic department is completely self sufficient. So they do not take a dollar from the university. In fact, they give money to the university. And so they're actually taking a $10 million loan out, similar to what they did back in 2012 when they left the Big 12 for the SEC. They didn't get the Big 12 payouts for the last season. And, and, you know, you had to pay a penalty for leaving and all that sort of stuff. And so they took out and then slowly paid back that money to the institution. They're taking out $10 million here. So what that means is that they now had the money to pay the Barry Odom buyout, which was $2.85 million. And then another, you know, between one and a half and two million dollars for the staff. Um, and so, you know, and there's a lot of offsets there as well, right? It's like if, if Barry Odom gets a job at Virginia Tech, which I expect him to do under Justin Fuente since it's Bud Foster's last year, and mm-hmm. if he's making nine hundred thousand dollars, then you take that off of the two point eight five million dollars, right? There's offsets in there, like so. All that's the that's the financial breakdown of it all. And so, not only are they not going to be coming up short because of the loan they also they're going to be on probation for three years they also uh if they don't get any trouble during that three years recoup half of that money so maybe if it's if they're they end up losing out on 10 million they'll get five million back at the end of that three-year period so the money is potentially still there uh for missouri to get by during this time they made that announcement before they fired barry odom right because it was it was known before the friday game against arkansas that the sanctions were going to be upheld when they made that announcement, I think most people around Missouri thought that it was a pretty good indication that uh, Jim Sterk, who did not hire Barry Odom, Mac Rhodes, the athletic director for Baylor now, hired him and then ran immediately. Uh, he left. He left. Actually, the, it, it was announced on SEC Media Day 2017 that he left. 
uh, Barry Odom was blindsided during that. And so, anyway, he was never his guy, in my opinion. I think Jim Sterk uh, always has wanted his own guy. He's never been a huge believer in Barry Odom, and kind of the first chance that he had to go get his own guy, he did. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad you went to Jim Sterk because that was my next question there. How much faith did this Missouri fans, Missouri alums, former players like yourself, how much faith do you have in Jim Sturick to make a solid hire here? I know he's had some questionable football hires at Washington State, but I believe he's also had you know, some good basketball hires at uh, San Diego State, Washington State. Obviously a different animal here, but uh, just how much confidence do you have that Missouri's going to land the right guy if uh, Jim Sturick's making the hire? <laughs> well, um, I think the, the one thing that Jim Sturick does really well is he has the people around him who do not give things away because the people that I know that are most connected to knowing what's going on have no idea what's happening right now in the coaching search. So that you, you tip your cap to him for that because that's really hard to do in today's college football. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, <clears throat> the, the higher that everybody tries to point to the Jim Sturck supporters and I'm look, I'm, I'm not a Jim Sturck supporter or, or a uh, critic. I just want my university to do well, right? So I hope Jim Sterk succeeds because I hope Missouri, Missouri succeeds. That's the end. I like Jim Sterk. I know him, um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make a case for him either way here. I think a lot of people point to Rocky Long and say, look at all the success he's had. He's had a bunch of, you know, I think he's had three or four 10-plus win seasons at San Diego State. Okay. Mm-hmm. He promoted him, right? He didn't have to go out and find the guy. He said, okay, good, you're head coach uh, when, when Brady Hope took off. So, yeah, it's not that, that it's not that you can't give him credit for recognizing there's a guy right here in the building that can do that, but but it's also not not conducting a national search here. There've been a lot of names come across the um, come across the wager, and again, I don't know who. I don't, like I said, the the people that I know that are most connected, including some big donors at Missouri, have no idea which way this is going to go. So so credit to Jim Sterk for that. But the names that are being thrown out right now, Will Healy. And uh, Jim McElwain recently, Lane mm-hmm. Kiffin, which sounds like, you know, as he was, when he, the, as, as the start of the search sounded like he was a legit candidate, and now it sounds like they may have never even spoken. Uh, you can go down the list here, Will Fritz. Um, there's, there's a lot of Luke Fickle's name has been uh, thrown around, although I, I have been told that he has no interest at all in Missouri. Norvell's name has been thrown around. I've been told he has zero interest in Missouri. So there, there's a list of guys here. The question is, who is the guy that Jim Sterk has had in mind that is guaranteed to be better than Barry Odom, who was on a very SEC-friendly, I should say, or or, or I should say um, a team-friendly contract for being an SEC school? He had the lowest buyout in the SEC, but you can't see Derek Mason's because it's a private school. Mm -hmm. But he had the lowest in the SEC by like three times. I think the next closest buyout, I, I told you it was 2.85 million bucks. The next mm-hmm. closest guy was like 9 million bucks, right? So it was, it was a contract that, remember, he got a raise and an extension last year. The dude signed an extension last off season and they bought him out the next year for 2.85 million bucks. So it was as, as a school friendly deal as you could possibly put together for a guy that had four wins then seven wins, then eight wins, and then six wins. The first coach in school history that has ever been fired 
after winning enough games to be bowl eligible for three state, straight years. I think it's the first coach to ever be 500 or better and fired in Mizzou history. So you're on the list of things, and you're like, okay, like, I get it. I understand that Jim Sterk doesn't want to go down with the ship with the captain that he didn't help pick. I get that. If you think the ship's going down and you you got to make a change, I get it. Uh, what I don't get is choosing to uh, change captains if you have no idea that there's a better captain. Do you want to do you want to guarantee that the ship's going down if you don't know who the replacement is and you just got to go get a guy? Is is Brian Harson the guy? If, hey, I think a lot of Missouri fans could buy that. Mm-hmm. I think Harson would be a guy that people uh, could get on board with. The question is, does he have any interest in Missouri? He's being paid $1.7 million right now to coach Boise State. I imagine he could get a raise. He he won't get a raise to the to the money that Missouri could offer. Missouri should be offering between four and four and a half million bucks. Uh, Boise State can't put that together. But Missouri also right now is, you know, of the jobs up, I think it's probably a better job than Arkansas and Ole Miss, not because it's more well-funded. It's not. Not because the fan support is better. It's not. It's because they play in the SEC East, and Tennessee has been down, although it appears they're on their way up now. And Florida's been up and down. Hell, Missouri, before this season, beat them by 21 points in the swamp when they were a top-10 team. Missouri hadn't had a ton of trouble with Florida. They've pretty much split with them since they joined the conference. You know, Georgia's tough, but that's one game a year. And Arkansas sucks, and they're your crossover game. So it's a hell of a schedule if you want to come succeed somewhere. That's it. That's, that is the reason. So for, for job openings, it's in the SEC. Uh, you're in the premier conference in America, and, and you get an easier schedule than you're going to get in the West. So that is the allure. Now, what you, what you don't like is attendance that's been suffering, fan support that's not been great, um, a school that's operating under sanctions. I mean, uh, there, there's a strong argument to be made that you wait one more year and allow somebody to come in with a completely full slate of scholarships and of, of seven weeks of recruiting ban. I mean, I, I don't know. There's still been some questions about when you can use those. You can spread those out throughout the year. Missouri doesn't have a coach right now, so they're not recruiting anybody. Can you start the clock now and say, mm-hmm. hell, we're not recruiting. Can you, can you use it? I don't know the answers, but I know it's a very complex mess to be starting right now when you could have waited until next season to do it. And, and also giving the guy the go-ahead that has spent 20-plus years dedicating his life to Missouri, and that's, that is Barry Odom. So this is kind of a broad question. I don't know if you can really nail it down or not. I guess it's supposed to be a difficult question, but what kind of coach, in your mind, you know, as a former player, very familiar with the program, what kind of coach does Missouri need to be successful in the SEC, in your mind? Um. That's, that is a great question, and, and the, the only guy that's done it, well, obviously in the SEC, but the, uh, Gary Pinkle succeeded very quickly in the SEC in, in just his first three years. But, um, you know, the guy that can succeed at Missouri is a guy that can – look, if Missouri is, if Missouri is uh, honest with themselves, it's probably historically – Outside of 1960, right? In the 60s, I think Missouri was winning a school in the 1960s. That was a hell of a long time ago. Missouri's going to get over that. So it's not the <laughs> 1960s anymore. If you go past that, 
in recent years, let's say the, the last, uh, let's say the, say this millennium, okay, Missouri's probably, um, if you if you take it as a whole, a top thirty-five team. You can you make an argument for top thirty, uh, but top thirty-five certainly. And if you take two thousand seven to two thousand fourteen, they're a top fifteen team. They won uh, ten plus games five times. They had at least a share of a division title five times, played for four conference championships. I mean, that was that was a hell of a team. Finished in the top five twice. That was a hell of a run for them. But historically, Missouri is a top 35 program. They're honest with themselves. And they recruit like that. Okay, Missouri, if you go look at their rankings, when they're recruiting well, they'll have the occasional outlier of a top 25 class. You'll have 21. Okay, I think, I think Gary Pingle's best class ever was 21. Um, You'll have, you know, okay, you're in 24 or whatever. And, and, and every so often, uh, like, like Barry Odom's first year, I think it was like 49 or something like that. Okay, but most of the time, they're right about 35. And what great Missouri coaches can do, what Gary Pinko was able to do, is identify a strength coach like Pat Ivey, who was my strength coach at Missouri, mm-hmm. who can take a kid who, um, we'll use Michael Agnew as an example. Um, Michael Agnew was from Lubbock, Texas, and he was just a dude, man. I mean, he was six foot six, nice, you know, nice, long, tight end body, uh, but he was just a dude. In fact, he had seven total catches in his first two seasons and, uh, combined, <laughs> seven. And uh, his third year of development under Pat Ivey and, and everybody else, like Andy Hill was the wide receiver tight end coach and Gary Pinkle obviously is the one who, who created all this, but his third year, he became a freaking behemoth. He had 90 catches. He was first team All-American because of that development. And that was a strength coach who found a guy that could broad jump like 11 foot, two inches um, and could run you over and could block. And it was mean than hell. And it was a strength coach that understood that this is what it takes to develop things. And, and there was a lot more to it, right? Pat Ivey was a, lifelong Missouri guy who ended up being a casualty of the protest at Missouri. He should still be at the school. Um, basically Missouri, anybody who was involved in the school outside of Barry Odom, really, I think there was really three, three people involved. Um, I shouldn't say involved, but that were still at the program, Andy Hill, Barry Odom and uh, Cornell Ford. Those three guys are the only people really still around at all that were at Missouri in 2015, Missouri made a decision to basically cut ties with anybody that had anything to do with that protest. And so Pat Ivey was a casualty of that. I still maintain that was one of the reasons that uh, Barry Odom was fired because, look, Pat Ivey, when I was there, the Chiefs tried to take him from Missouri and hire him as their strength coach. Routinely, we had NFL teams coming to Missouri to try to steal our strength staff because he was that good. And not only that, he went back and got his Ph.D. in sports psychology so that he could teach us how to think and actually teach classes on that. We would have Missouri, we would, we, we would go and sit down and, um, you know, in the summertime, he would stand up in the class and we would have true class. I mean, this is, this is kind of, I think a lot of schools are doing this now, but we would, we would have like classroom time that he would teach us about, you know, positive affirmations and sports psychology. And, that is how Missouri's got to be ahead of the game. And so you have to find a coach that can create that and take athletes that are really only top 35, you know, class recruits and turn them into first round picks. Missouri did that for a long time. 
Shane Ray was a three-star. Sean Witherspoon was a two-star, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm naming a bunch of first-round picks here. Ziggy Hood was a two-star. Uh, William Moore, I think, was a, a three-star. It's like, you know, unless Alden Smith was a, th- a three-star. You're naming a bunch of cats that Missouri went and found. Larry Alexander was a two-star out of Marlin, Texas, that they accidentally recruited. They were going to recruit a lineman. Seriously, they were going to recruit a lineman from his school. And the coach that went down there to go take a look at him said, who the hell is that kid? And they recruited him, and he was the best receiver in the country his senior year in 2009. Had 113 catches and 17 touchdowns, and he was unstoppable. That was after, I think, four knee surgeries, multiple blown ACLs. And he, the kid was like, they just went and found him. Like, who is a kid? Go develop him and, and make him the guy. So Missouri has to do that. They're never going to recruit like Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and Florida. Will not happen. In fact, in the SEC, if you go look at recruiting rankings, they will likely never be better than 11. But guess what? The top 11 are all in the top 25. So if you can go be 11, that's a hell of a deal. But, it, but for where Missouri sits, they're operating in a deficit right now in the athletic department. They, they Usually about $2 bucks. I think they, they bring in $97, $98 million and they spend about 100 and that's what they've been the last few years. Um, they're operating at a deficit, and you know they, they typically, again, don't recruit that well. you got to go find a coach that loves Missouri like Gary Pinkle did. You know, my – what year was this, man? What, what year did Lloyd Carr leave? Was that 2010-11 right in there? Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Pinkle had a flight booked to Michigan to go interview for that job, and they were going to offer him the job, and he said, I can't leave my guys. And he canceled the flight and never went. Like, that's, first of all, how the hell did you decide that? Second of all, he was a Missouri guy, right? He came from, he came from Toledo, played at Kent State with Nick Saban and, and all them guys, and, and um, came from Toledo, and, you know, like, he, he just loves Missouri. That's who he is. So you've got to find a guy like that, and you've got to find a guy who understands how to develop. Now, the, the difference between what he had and what Barry Odom had was the support from his athletic director. Mike Alden, who was, who was the athletic director of Missouri when I was there, and, a, and an unbelievable guy. I love the dude. He stood by Gary Pinkle and, and banked his job on it. If Gary Pinkle doesn't succeed, I'm not going to succeed. So I'm standing right here. Then he had the full support of the AD. And uh, nobody was going to fire Jim Stirk if Barry Odom had another year. And um, they decided he wanted to go with his own guy. So whoever this guy is needs full support from everybody. I don't think Barry Odom ever really had that. And, and they have to find a way to develop guys that were not highly recruited to go beat guys that were highly recruited. Because that's what they're going to be facing in the SEC. So I believe Jim Sturick, during his you know, presser where he announced the decision to let go of Odom and everything, he noted that uh, you know Missouri sh- should be like a top 25 team and everything like that. And... You know, we all know what Barry Odom did. He was, I'd say he's about a 500 coach in the SEC. He's slightly over 500 overall. If that's not the expectation at Missouri, do you have a good feel for what the expectation is at Missouri with this new coach? I mean, what's going to be good enough for Jim Sturick? Um, I think it's a different set of expectations, right? Because nobody is expected to to, to win really, you know, Unless you're at a blue blood, you're not going to win in year one. You know, mm-hmm. like like who, whoever takes over Arkansas next year is going to suck really bad. There's mm-hmm. very little you can do. I mean, there's just no talent on that roster. They won two games this year. They're awful. Um, and so 
but I, I think the expectations are different. You get some extra time because you know, you're starting over. They're not your guys. There's a lot of, you know, reasons we'll say, but excuses at the beginning. These aren't my guys, not my system. I'm just getting comfortable. You know, I got to get my guys in place and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, Jim Sturk's been here a few years already. Um, he's going to have Jim Sturk's support. And, and what is ultimately reasonable in year four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, hopefully they make it that long, is I, I think Gary Pinkle, and this is another thing that Jim Sturk cited. They said, and basically, he added this just at the end, but he said, you know, Missouri, this is the team that should be in the top 25 every year. We're a top 25 program. Gary Pinkle proved that. Okay, but when you're talking about what Missouri can be, that's great. That's not necessarily who Missouri is historically. Like, you can't cite the greatest coach in modern Missouri history and say, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then, if that's true, then Alabama, when Nick Saban dies, should still win national championships every single year because that's who <laughs> Alabama is, right? That's obviously not – like Tennessee, right? Bill Fuller won a national championship at one point. They should win national championships every year. That's who they are. Not mm-hmm. really. That's really not true for, for anybody, first of all. Tennessee is a great school. I think Tennessee is a top 15 program historically in in college football history uh right now they're not okay like you know and, and go find the coach that can bring you closer but you know if 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 we're saying well uh, we think that tennessee should be competing for sec championship every year national championships every four or five years then when they just finish in the top 25 you fire your coach okay well if you fire your coach every you know when he's number 23 and you think he should be number eight if he's number 23 four out of five years, and then he's number eight one year, and you fire him during those four years, you're an idiot, right? You don't fire coaches that get you in the top 25. Barry Odom actually had Missouri ranked last year before they lost the bowl game, and then after a 5-1 start this year, they were ranked again. Um, so uh, back to the question here. Who is Missouri, uh, and what are the expectations? I think it's great to have expectations that are high. And um, uh, However, I think that's miscategorized a little bit. I think your hopes and and uh, your expectations should be separated to some degree, um, and if if your uh, your baseline should be different than your expectations. Meaning, look, if if Missouri is not making bowl games, that's a problem. Missouri should be making bowl games. How, what, what are we doing here? If you're not winning at least six games a year uh, as a primary coach, but if you're if you're winning eight games a year. Okay, you're you're still probably eight, eight games of the bowl game. You're still losing five. Hell, you're not doing that well. But should you be firing coaches who win eight games a year? I don't think so at Missouri. I think the hope for Missouri is that you win you know, once you get going. So, so, so say whoever the next coach is makes it five years. By year five, I think your baseline is you're going to have goofy years. Like, look, Gary Pinkle in 2012, I was on that team, went five and seven. And then the next year, he went to the SEC championship game. You're going to have goofy outlier years. Mm-hmm. But your, your general baseline for you got a decent team out, should be eight wins, and you should hope to jump up in the 10, 11, 12 range once out of every four years, maybe three, four years. And then you should hope that the stars align every, what it's been for Missouri, every seven years in recent years. And you can compete for a conference championship. And and when you're competing for a conference championship in this conference, you're competing for a national title. That is what your hope should be as Missouri. Now, Missouri fans won't admit that. But, hell, there's not a bigger Missouri fan than I I am. Hell, I'm one of the people, and I I 
like, I don't mean this as a negative to the fans because like, you know, you're, you got genetics and stuff, but I'm one of the few people that support Missouri that actually went out there and fricking did it. There's nobody that <laughs> loves Missouri more than I did. Okay. I was one of the few guys that may end up with CTE because I went over the middle and I wouldn't back down from a guy that was three times my size and wanted to kill me. All right. There's nobody that wants Missouri to succeed more than I do, but I also don't want to go around firing coaches because they have a bad year. And I kind of think that's what Missouri just did. Yeah, and that, that is an interesting point you brought up with Tennessee because that's who Philip Fulmer was. He played at Tennessee. He loved Tennessee. You get rid of him. You kick him out. You bring in this hot assistant from the NFL named Lane Kiffin. Then a year later, he because he doesn't give a shit about the school, he's gone. And it's, I mean, it's damn sent Tennessee down to a hole that they still haven't climbed out of. So that's, that's an interesting nugget there. Uh, one of the last things I got for you here, TJ, I wanted to ask you this. Are there any members of the current coaching staff? I know this is a tough question as well to answer, but because we don't know who the new coach is, we don't know what the system he's going to bring and what have you, but are there any coaches, assistant coaches on the current staff that you'd really like to see the new coach bring back to, you know, maybe just bring some stability or maybe a really good recruiter? Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, there's two guys that, that have um, been holdovers in recent years. So Cornell Ford came from Toledo with Gary Pinkle, and he was a holdover to Barry Odom. And one of the primary reasons is because he recruits St. Louis. Now, they went to a little bit different. The way it was when I was being recruited was that you had coaches who were assigned to an area. And that's largely changed um, outside of a couple guys because you still want guys in state who have relationships with all the high schools and stuff to continue those relationships. But right, it's like if you go get a kid out of Plano, Texas, one year, the chance of you getting a kid out of that same school are not very high, right? So it's okay if that the way the most SEC and the way that Barry Odom decided to do it after a little while was the tight ends coach goes and recruits tight ends. The D-line coach goes and recruits the defensive line. That's not how it was. Uh, in fact, Cornell Ford was the corners coach, and he recruited St. Louis, and I was a wide receiver. Okay, well, I just, you know, he was he was my recruiting coach. And eventually I met the guy who was Andy Hill, who was in charge of receivers. Uh, that Cornell Ford is still largely in charge of um, St. Louis, or was, um, because of all his relationships. Andy Hill was in charge of Kansas City. That changed a little bit, but he still had all the relationships in Kansas City. They were both holdovers from the Pinkle staff to the Odom staff. Andy Hill actually was in the Larry Smith era. You could go back that far. So he's, he is largely invincible. That guy is Mr. Mizzou, and he has just continued to stay at Mizzou while everybody else gets fired. Um, <laughs> so I would like to see both of them. I, they're both really good guys. Uh, they're both uh, good recruiters. And in the St. Louis area in particular, I don't know why this is, but Kansas City and St. Louis, both fairly large metro areas. Missouri, uh, St. Louis is the, has the 21st ranked media market in the country, right? It's a pretty, pretty decent sized city, mid, mid, mid tier. It's not obviously New York and Houston, but it's, it's fairly, fairly big size. Kansas City is not too far back. They're, they're right around 30. Okay. But there are like three or four times as many big-time recruits that come out of St. Louis as there is Kansas City. I don't know why this is. That's just the truth. And people think I'm biased to good, you know, because I'm from St. Louis. I just go look at, at Rivals.com and 247 Sports and all that, and you go look up and there's a, there's a, a you know, Division One guys out of Kansas City. There's like seven of them, and there's 26 in St. Louis. I don't know why this is, uh, but it's true. And, and Missouri has – the University of Missouri has struggled to figure out – how it's happened to the St. Louis market over the years. And so 
there's there's a lot of background to this, but one of the greatest things that Barry Odom was able to do that this new coach needs to try to pick up and run with, and that's not really how it works, you're going to go create your own relationships, is he, he was able to mend the fences with the black coaches in St. Louis. And for whatever reason, uh, there has just not been good relationships with Missouri and the black community in St. Louis. Obviously, the, anybody's paying attention to the athletes out there, about 75% of them are black. So if you don't have a good relationship with the black community in a certain city, that ain't going to go well for you when you're trying to recruit these kids. Mm-hmm. So Odom was able to go in and he actually had like a black coaches summit at one point where he got all, you know, like they got all the black coaches in the area together. And he said, how do we fix this? Well, what do we do here that I don't know what, uh, how the relationship has been tarnished between the university and you guys and why you don't maybe trust your kids to come here. I'm here to fix it because I want to take care of your kids. I promise you, I'll do everything I can to make them successful and, and, give them really good lives after football uh, as best I can. And so that really went a long way. And they actually broke through. There's, there's a few schools in Missouri that really pump out a lot of Division One kids. One of them is East St. Louis, right on the Illinois side there. Um, and there, there are two others that go crazy. And uh, he actually had Odom did. Now, uh, two of them have backed out since this time, uh, maybe all three. Um, but he had a kid from each school that – was committed to come to Missouri this year. He had broken through this wall of whatever it was that was keeping kids from coming to Missouri. Not that they didn't look. That's it's like, you know, Blaine Gabbert came from Missouri. He's a five-star kid. Uh, Terry Beckner Jr. was a five-star kid. He came from East St. Louis. You know, it's, it's Sheldon Richardson came from St. Louis. He's a five-star kid. It's not like Missouri couldn't get them. But there was a lot of kids over the years that you missed out on. And you'd say, what? This is, this is too many to be leaving. What's the deal here? And Odom was able to break through that. And Cornell Ford was a big part of that. Cornell Ford is, is, is a black guy um, who, who is incredibly relational. He's great at, at making relationships and o- having the support, the support of the head coach. Odom, Odom was a guy who was spearheading this whole thing. They were able to break through a lot of that. And uh, the new coach is going to have to figure out whatever it is that Odom figured out there because that was starting to move. And if you can get the guys out of St. Louis, I mean, hell, Ezekiel Elliott's from St. Louis. And, mm-hmm. and, and and his parents went to Mizzou, and you lost them to Ohio State. You know, so you've got to figure out how to close the deal on some of these cats that can be game changers. And and, and um, so anyway, you the questions about the guys. That's the guys: Cornell Ford and Andy Hill, both really high relational guys that the kids love, that can coax their butts off too, and they'd be really smarter the next coach to keep both those guys. All right. Well, he's T.J. Mo, former standout Missouri receiver. Uh, co-host of 590 The Fan, KFNS Radio there in St. Louis. You can follow him on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all the same name. I love what, that you've done that, TJ Moe, the number 28. TJ, I really appreciate you j- hopping on with us here, giving us some insight into this Missouri situation because kind of like you said, this is one where I got no idea who they're targeting, who they're looking at. We're seeing all this speculation, but uh, I really appreciate the insight. It, it means a lot. Yeah, man, anytime. Happy to jump on with you. Appreciate your uh, work, certainly on uh, Twitter, but the website and all that. So happy to jump on with you anytime. All right, Mike, take care, man. Take it easy, TJ. Thanks again. You got it. See ya. All right, some terrific insight there from TJ Mo. Really appreciate him hopping on there without Shane. Kind of needed uh, someone to go back and forth with, though, so I thought he'd be a great one to do it. And we'll start right there in Missouri where, you know, the latest rumor, he kind of, TJ Mo kind of hit on it there, but Jim McElwain. Former Florida coach, current, I believe he's at Central Michigan. He's, he's only been there one year. 
He's already got Central Michigan in their conference championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Quite a turnaround there for uh, old Bucktooth Shark lover. Hell of a job there, though. It's going to be really easy. Hell, I've done it. I've seen everybody doing it, making fun of McIlwain and the Shark image and everything. But I know his tenure there at Florida, you know, that, that was just a wild damn ending. I, I can't recall a single coach that's ever went to back-to-back SEC championship games and basically fired the next year. But that's what happened with the fake death threats and everything. But putting all that lost season aside, I know that's incredibly difficult to do because you can't just erase it. But I always thought McIlwain did a hell of a job. Because if you think back to those two, his first two Florida teams, the Gators were not even close to the best team in the division. They found a way to win it both years, although they did lose to Tennessee that uh, – that one year, but they, hell, they still won the division, 2016. So, uh, when when you see when you see stuff like that, you see what he did. He had a little bit of success there at Colorado State. Uh, that obviously got him the Florida job, and he worked with Nick Saban. I believe he won some national titles there in Alabama. So now he's doing it again at Central Michigan. I'm not saying Missouri should hire this guy, but you know, all the jokes aside, which like I said, I've made him myself. I think uh, McIlwain, I think he can do a lot worse than him. Yeah, I think the keys there is how is he going to manage his strength and conditioning? How is he going to manage the recruiting? Because those are two areas where he did not do a great job at all at, in Gainesville. He inherited some real talent there from Will Muschamp. But he, he did a hell of a lot uh, with him, I thought, the first two years. So, like I said, Missouri could do a hell of a lot worse than old uh, Bucktooth here. All right, skipping down to Tennessee. Big news here out of Tennessee. Juwan Jennings suspended for the first half of Tennessee's bowl game. Of course, we don't know what bowl game. That's going to be coming out here on Sunday. But so it's almost a good thing Shane's not here because I can only imagine the expletives he'd let fly on this one. But, you know, very interesting decision because I read something earlier today. I believe it was from uh, Adam Sparks of the Tennessean that – you know, Tennessee, excuse me, the SEC had looked into this incident and uh, I don't think they issued any kind of statement or anything. And then all of a sudden, later in the afternoon here on Wednesday, announced Juwan Jennings suspended for the first half. There will be no review. Tennessee's accepted it. And uh, this is all stemming from, if anybody missed it, there was a video of uh, Juwan Jennings stepping on a player, Vanderbilt player's face. Uh, the Vanderbilt player did not have a helmet. A really bizarre sequence of events because it wasn't as if Juwan stomped on dude's face. I mean, if if you're trying to stomp someone, you you're lifting your leg, you're stomping on him. You know, it's it's pretty clear cut. That's not what I saw here. It it did look for sure like uh, the cleat did come in contact with the player's face. Uh, Juwan Jennings was not looking at the Vanderbilt player from what I could tell. So really gray area there. There was no no flag. Yeah, during the game, of course, it, it occurred on the sidelines, so maybe the refs couldn't see it, what have you. But uh, according to the SEC, there is a rule in place. I'll read you the rule here. If subsequent review of the game by a conference reveals plays involving flagrant personal fouls that game officials did not call, the conference may impose sanctions prior to the next scheduled game. So that's the rule they're citing. That's why they're suspending Juwan Jennings. I don't necessarily agree with this one because, like I said, unless maybe they reached out to Tennessee, maybe they reached out to Juwan and he admitted he did this. But I have no knowledge of that taking place. And without that, 
I'm not really sure how you suspend a kid for that, but I don't know. This is this is one that's pissed off all nation. I kind of understand that, but uh, I think Vanderbilt's a little pissed off too. So uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see what how that goes in the bowl game. And uh, Jawan Jennings will miss the first half of it. Hopefully he finishes his career strong, finishes it on the right note. That that'll be something to monitor looking forward. All right. So jumping out to you know Colorado State. Wanted to make this quick note, but uh, former Georgia offensive coordinator, current. He's former now Colorado State head coach Mike Bobo out at Colorado State. Why we're bringing that up, South Carolina, very interested in hiring Mike Bobo potentially as an offensive coordinator. I've also heard the name Chad Morris attached to that South Carolina offensive coordinator job. I think Mike Bobo, for everything that uh, his ties to the Georgia program, played with Will Muschamp, if I'm not mistaken, obviously had a ton of success there at Georgia. I know some of the fans maybe – it was always a popular thing telling Dan Bobo to run the ball, but, hell, they were setting SEC records through the passing game. They had quarterbacks, receivers, all going to the NFL, running backs too. So Bobo, he caught a lot of shit there in Athens, but I always thought he did a really good job. And, hell, when he left, that was the end of Mark Richt. So I, I think uh, revisionist history says that Mike Bobo did a good job at Georgia, and I think that would be a hell of a hire for Will Muschamp if he can get him. Not saying it's going to happen, but he's out there now. That's the call I think you got to make. I've seen a lot of South Carolina fans upset at this. Uh, they don't like that idea, but it's really hard for me to fathom who you're going to get in that has SEC experience, that has played in the SEC, uh, has done well in the SEC. He's from the state of Georgia, so you're going to do well in recruiting. He's a good recruiter. On top of all that, you really got to look at it like this. Will Muschamp, everybody knows he's sitting on a hot seat. So if South Carolina has a bad year next year, he's gone. Muschamp is gone. His entire staff's going to go too. You're telling me you're going to hire an elite offensive coordinator to come in there knowing he may only have one year? It's not going to happen. Trust me. Look look at Butch Jones, his final year at Tennessee. He had to promote Larry Scott. A little bit different situation, but Gus Malzahn, he's on a hot seat all offseason. He's not getting an offensive coordinator coming there. I know he's calling the plays, but he had to hire he had to hire Kenny Dillingham. So these are the type of candidates you're talking about. You want to hire the next Kenny Dillingham, or you want to hire Mike Bobo, who's been coaching a long time in this league, experienced in the league. You know he can recruit uh, someone that uh, Will Muschamp can turn over the offense at and have complete confidence in. Because this is this is, make no mistake, this is Will Muschamp's job on the line. You can maybe hire Chad Morris. Uh, looked how that turned out to, to the Razorbacks. And Chad Morse won also. I, I kind of question that one as well because going head-to-head against his good buddy Dabo in the state of South Carolina, recruiting against Dabo, coaching against Dabo. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. So if I'm South Carolina looking at Mike Bobo, uh, I think that's got to be an, an ideal fit there. All right, last thing I've got before I hop off here, a little bit of shorter one without Shane, but – uh, CBS has announced that Gus Malzahn joining the broadcast for the SEC championship game on Saturday. always love when they do this. Uh, obviously, Gus Malzahn, he's played Georgia and LSU, so he'll give some insight that uh, very few people are going to have. He'll be breaking down the game at halftime, probably leading up to it and a little bit in post game. So looking forward to that. always appreciate these coaches' insight, uh, particularly active coaches, because they know it better than anybody else. So, I really love when CBS does this. I think they're making another good choice here by bringing Gus Malzahn. It seems like every damn year 
If Gus ain't in the SEC Championship, he's helping to analyze it for CBS. So one way or another, Gus Malzahn finds his way to Atlanta. And hell, it's going to help recruiting too. you got to imagine, every, all eyes are on the SEC Championship game. If you're an Auburn fan, Auburn recruit, watching TV, seeing Gus Malzahn there, uh, that doesn't hurt either. So all around good idea here for Auburn. Good idea for CBS. I, I just love when they do this. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this one. Shane will be back for our Friday episode where we make our official picks for the SEC Championship game. Looking forward to that one. Uh, should be a great game, and uh, that's going to do it for this edition. A little bit of a shorter one, but uh, appreciate everyone logging on here and appreciate everyone joining the podcast. And if you, you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind going just a step further, giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help the podcast out. All right, guys, catch you on the next one.